Hear the word of God as it is found in one of Paul's letters to the church at Corinth, beginning at the sixth verse of the ninth chapter, where Paul is speaking and giving a stewardship sermon to the people at the church of Corinth. The point is this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints, but also overflows in many thanksgivings to God. Under the test of this service, you will glorify God by your obedience in acknowledging the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. As a result of our promotion and a letter that leaves the office tomorrow. Throughout this parish, this week, many, many, many times we'll be asked the same question in your mind and around your conference table of family decision, what are we going to give in 77? Now that's a question no one likes to have to ponder, but it's important, not only to the church, to God but to you, and what you decide to do with God's dollars, for he is the one who has given you the grace to earn them, is left entirely up to you. No compulsion can be made by anybody upon anyone. God loves a cheerful giver. We just read that. You must make your own decision, and thank God... He's given us common sense, which he expects us to use when we must decide how many dollars are we going to give back to him. Now, according to good common sense, there are several options, I believe, open to you. You can make that decision on several different bases. First of all, there is the system which sounds like 
very good common sense where you give according to what your fair share ought to be. It's not too difficult to figure that out. You always take the budget, divide it by the number of giving accounts, come up then with the amount for a fair share. In this case, as you've already heard on several occasions, and those of you who are at the meeting know, our budget for next year is slightly more than $200,000. According to Mr. Bailey's record, our business manager, we have approximately 500 giving accounts in this membership of over 1,500 people. A giving account is a wage earner or a retiree and his mate plus any children still living at home or away at college just as long as they are unemployed. That group makes one giving unit. We have approximately 500 giving units, so you can do this without even a calculator. 200,000 divided by 500 giving units, you end up with approximately $400 a year per giving unit. Divide that by 52. We'll give you two Sundays off. Make it 50. That's approximately $8 a Sunday. $8 a Sunday. Now, that, that sounds fair. And if every one of the 500 giving units would give $8 a Sunday, we would make the $200,000. That sounds like good common sense until you look at the records and your sense finds out that it's not too common for people to give $8 a Sunday. No, last year, according to Mr. Bailey's records, only 25% of our people gave $8 a Sunday or more. Only 25%. Those of you who are accustomed, you know, to voluntary organizations where you're dependent upon gifts of people, you have no product to sell, that's not too bad because most go by the rule of thumb that 20% of the people pay 80% of the bill. That's the rule of thumb in this kind of business. We do better than that at Bakerstown. 45% of the people pay 75% of the bills around here. 55% pay the other 25%. But only 25% of the people give $8 a week or more. Now you couple that with the fact that in 75 76 figures aren't in yet, but 75 figures show us that we had 176 people or accounts, 176 accounts that gave $5 a week or less, 102 accounts who gave $1 a week or less, and we had 79 accounts that did not give us one penny. 79 accounts whose record-giving cards are absolutely blank. So you see, though the principle may sound right, that everybody pays a fair share, it's unrealistic. We'll never make it if we go only on that principle. And I want your common sense to know that. Other people say there must be an easier way. Yes, there is. An easier way is if people just say, I'll give what I gave last year. See, that's the easiest way. You don't have to go through any anguish. You don't have to get out the pencil and figure. You don't have to do anything. You just say, I'll give what I gave last year. I know people who are giving this year what they gave 20 years ago. 
They've never re-examined their giving. And that principle, ladies and gentlemen, is very unsound and it's unsafe. It's unsound because simple logic tells you that you can't make next year's budget, which is higher than this year, by giving the same amount. And, and I say that in total gratitude to all of us who give generously to this church. We are in the midst of the greatest financial year in the 106 years of this church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Not all churches can say that. A lot of them are having a difficult time, and we are breaking all records, and that's because of the grace of God who is feeding and the gifts of all of you. And on behalf of the session and staff, I thank us who are giving generously to this church. It's fantastic what you people do. But if we continue just giving what we are giving this year, and from all anticipation, it looks like we're going to raise nine, more than 95% this year of our $186,000 budget, that won't be enough for us to make it next year of a budget over 200000 no matter how well this year is going. See, it's unsound, but what worries me most, it's most unsafe for you people who merely plan to give in 77, which you gave in 76, and in 66, and in 56, and 46. Because when you joined this church, ladies and gentlemen, you took a pledge, not just to your fellow members, but to God. To God you took an oath that you would give to this church as the Lord prospered you, and merely by filling out the same amount as last year, you are perjuring yourself by refusing to look as to how the Lord is prospering you. You may not be giving enough. The Lord knows maybe some of you are giving too much. You better take a look. Because you may not take yourself seriously when you made that vow, but believe me, God did. God believes us when we tell him we're going to do something. It's unsafe and not good common sense to just give what you gave last year. There's another way, thirdly. It's what I call the promotional or interpretive way to give. You have part of that process in your hand. It was given to you when you came into church today, a piece prepared by the public relations man on our staff at Presbytery. The principle is pretty sound, according to most individuals who understand the dynamics of selling. Let the people know what is going on, they say. Inform the people, and an informed people will give. They say, tell the people, tell the people the needs, the problems, and the people will give. Now that sounds like good common sense. If people know, they will give. And in principle, I don't have anything against that, except that I do notice that many judicatories of our church who are trying to use that method are reducing their budgets, not raising them. The General Assembly Mission Council of our United Presbyterian Church has, has to decrease their plans for 1977 by 12%. 3.5 million they're expecting less from churches. 
They say to people like me, well, the reason we're doing that is because, Dick, you don't tell the people enough about what is going on in the church. And they might be right. But out of defense, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, we are such a part of such an enormous church that it is absolutely unfathomable for me and you to get all of this information, to let alone comprehend it, digest it, and be happy with it. That piece that you have before you explains the 38 projects that are going on in, in Pittsburgh Presbytery, Allegheny County. They give one sheet to what's going on in the Synod of the Trinity, which is all of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and part of western or eastern Ohio. They give one sheet to what's going on in the General Assembly Mission Council, which is having the responsibility in our name and promoting for us and with us mission in six continents of the world. It's impossible to keep up to date with everything that is going on, and believe me, when 2.7 million do know what's going on, believe me, many are unhappy with what is being done. I'm not trying to hide information. I'm just pleading for trust and confidence in our connecting system where all of us are willing to believe in our brothers and sisters without standing over their shoulder, which oftentimes happens when we're trying to find out information. Just take that piece that you have in your hand. I had a little something to do with it this year. The number of hours that was put into that interpretive piece of material, let alone the dollars. Now just imagine what happens all over the mission program. You take people who are busy at work and you make them sit down at a typewriter and write up a report. Then in turn they send that to some central agency where there is editorializing done and promotional work and, and artwork and then it has to be reproduced, and then it has to be sent through the mails, which is a very expensive procedure, and then it has to be sent to people who are very busy doing their own work and supposed to be read by people who don't take much time today to read to be informed. I just wonder how many of you will read that piece that has been presented to you at a very expensive cost. I venture we have several hundred left here tomorrow morning for Mr. Dankmeyer to pick up and to throw out. You won't even take them home. See what I mean? I'm not against the promotional and interpretive way. I'm not against public relation departments because I know I've got plenty public relation men women out in front of me. But I really sometimes wonder, according to good common sense, how effective that way is as I am against or for or speaking about another method, which is what we call the designated way. Makes like good common sense, we think. If people have a favorite project to which they will give, they will give more. So let people designate their giving, and they will give it where they think it will do the most good, or at least where they have the most interest. Now that's a way. Our United Presbyterian Church on higher levels has gone to that particular way, though I personally think it's un-Presbyterian, and I think it's unfair, and I think it's unrealistic, because all we're doing is letting one hand take what another hand is giving, Peter to pay Paul, 
It means that some people have the right to give to those things that they think the money should go to and let everybody else pick up the things that they're not interested in. Thank the good Lord the session of this church does not operate that way. No, we have a unified budget here, and when you put a dollar in, your, in the plate, here it goes as the session directs and the congregation has approved at the congregational meeting. We have only three or four special offerings a year, and those are designated by the session. And every cent that you give in those particular offerings goes to the specific offering as announced. But that's the only time. This year it's the one great hour of sharing. At Thanksgiving you can give specifically to the hunger offering, the women's offering, the last Sunday of the month, and the Christmas Eve offering. Those are the only ones that we designate. Otherwise it goes into our unified budget. And thank the Lord for it because I could not administrate a program without that kind of funding. If people gave here to only the things they like, we couldn't carry on a program. Oh, we could get money for the choir, our great choir. I could get money for the kids' work. That's easy. I think I could even get money for our salaries without too much difficulty. But I don't know of anybody who would designate their giving for garbage removal, nor for parking lot upkeep, and we couldn't operate without that parking lot. I don't know if anybody would give for the paper products or the insurance policy or the taxes. And ladies and gentlemen, those things are just as important as anything else we do here. And without your giving in trust and confidence to a unified program, we couldn't do the job. So it's not very good sense if you think you will give only as you have the power to designate where you're going to give. Now there's a better way. The best way of trying to decide how much money you're going to give, the best, the quickest, the easiest, is through tithing. That's it, tithing. Make no apology for it. It's taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches 10% of the income off the top belongs somehow to the work of the Lord. Now, we do everything in our power to squirm, to get around, to rationalize, to try to figure that that was Old Testament days. Forget it. Tithing is biblically taught. Tithing is biblically taught. And thank God it is. It's the most efficient way to get things done. You know, we wouldn't have to be worried about promotional material and interpreting material. We wouldn't have to be taking the times of the missionaries if we were all tithers. I wouldn't even have to take time to preach this sermon, and you wouldn't even have to take time to listen to it if we were tithers. Most efficient way to get things done. You wouldn't even have to go any through any agonizing and feeling guilty this week because all you'd know is 10% of that income goes to the church. It's the most efficient way to get things done. And it's the way you get most money. Let's just take, for example, our 500 giving accounts. Let's say that in this affluent society here in the Bakerstown area, the average wage earner made $10,000 a year. And believe me, it's higher than that in this community. 
But let's just say he made $10,000 a year, 500 giving units. What would that be? $500,000, a half a million dollars in one year. Let's say you tithe, but you give only 5% to this church and 5% to others, some other godly organization that's trying to do the work of Christ. We'd still have $250,000. That's if the average salary was 10000 a year. See how easy? It's fair, too doesn't give the responsibility just to 20% of the people or 45%. Everybody has a fair share. What's more than that? It would increase activity around here. Get that clue from Jesus. Jesus says, where your pocketbook, your hearts will be there also. The tithers, they're the ones that are here every Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. They're the ones that make things go because they're involved. Not only that, it gives you a clue and a help to what the Bible says is the root of all evil in the world, the love of money. You see, God gave us this as a medium of exchange. He didn't give it to us to uh, fall in love with and worship as a God or throw away as garbage. God gave us money for one reason, one reason only, to bring happiness and to provide necessities for yourself and for other people. And whenever we begin to treat money something other than what God intended it to become, we get in trouble. We get into real trouble. The greatest thing that I know to keep people out of financial trouble is to become a tither. I deal with a lot of people who get into trouble, and I've dealt with a lot of people who have been in financial trouble, but do you know in 19 years of ministry, 19 years of ministry, I have yet to see a tither get in financial trouble. Never. It doesn't happen. Tithers don't get everything they want. But they never get in trouble with money. See what tithing does? It makes you a budgeter. I guarantee you, you tithe, you'll get more out of the 90% left than if you don't tithe and try to blow the whole 100%. I guarantee you, you'll have a new appreciation of what you can do. And what is most important, you'll possess your money. See, most people do not possess their money. Their money possesses them. Because you only possess that which you can give away. And if you can't give away 10% of your money, you don't possess it. It possesses you. And ladies and gentlemen, God created us not to be controlled by the dollar bill, but God expects us to control the dollar bill. And probably what is the greatest benefit to us is that it makes us live by faith. And we are people who were put on this earth to be generated, motivated by faith. The Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God. You'll never find your destiny until you live by faith. Faith that this is God's Word and you believe it. You accept it on faith that that's the light under your path and lamp under your feet. We believe in faith that God loves us. 
And that Jesus Christ has redeemed us. We're justified by faith. We have faith that when we give of ourselves, God's kingdom is helped. The only way we know that is by faith. And we have faith that when God gives and we give back, we who so sparingly will reap sparingly. But if we give bountifully, we'll receive bountifully. We get according to how we give in faith. And if you want to live on that exciting edge of existence, you've got to do it by faith. And that's where it is. And I know of no greater way of doing that than by having the courage to give 10% of your money to the Lord. You'll live by faith. And you'll enjoy it immensely. Time's up. Got to go home. You're glad I have to quit. When you ask that question, how much are we going to give? Remember, they're God's dollars. He gave them to you. And when you decide how much you're going to give back, use a lot of sense. Amen. Father, thank you for allowing us to talk about those things which are very private, important, and touchy, but which are important to you as well. Bless us, Father, and our pocketbooks, and may the Spirit of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon us all. Amen.